Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and welcome to episode 86 of Cage Rage, a Nicholas Cage podcast. It's the podcast in which I take you on the journey to true Cage Nirvana. What is that, you ask? Well, it's the highest, most purest, most emotional, most real, most physical, most emotional, most spiritual, most sexual form of being possible. And how do you do that, you ask? Well, there's only one way to achieve it, and that is to watch every film the man I call the golden hog of Hollywood himself, Nicholas Cage has ever started. How are you this week? Hope you're well. It looks like uh, spring has finally sprung, the clocks have gone forward, the sun is out, the days are a little bit longer, we made it through the winter people, congratulations, pat yourself on the back, here we are, we've done it, it's happening. Uh, we're marching through March, April's round the corner, uh, the sun is shining, the birds are singing, it's all good, it's all good baby, we made it, we're getting through it, so I hope you well. I hope you're doing good. Speaking of good things and good times, we turn to this week's episode, episode 86. It's Teen Titans Go to the Movies. It's a long-awaited return to voiceover for Nicolas Cage, as finally the Golden Hog gets to play that Superman role that's been lingering since the 90s. Returning on the podcast, one half of the podcast nobody asked for, Ian Harris, joins me to talk about Teen Titans Go to the Movies. We talk about Superman, we talk about... The cartoons of our youth. We talk about James Corden, for better or worse, and we talk about the podcast multiverse. This was a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, you're going to very, very much enjoy this episode. Uh, just before we get into it, admin, of course, you can find me on Twitter at cage underscore podcast. I'm on Instagram at cage rage pod. And you can find me on all the usual streaming services, Spotify, Apple, Podchaser, and all the rest. If you can leave a follow, if you can leave a review, if you can leave a rating, it really helps the podcast grow. Really, really appreciate your support as well. But with that all said and done, let's get right into the episode. Teen Titans go to the movies. Down edge, Ian Harris. What's up? It's a long, feature-length awaited return to voiceover this week as we take a look at 2018's animated superhero comedy musical Teen Titans Go! to the movies. This week, the titular teen heroes dream of Hollywood stardom to prove their legitimacy, much like Superman, voiced by none other than Nicolas Cage. Returning on the journey to True Cage Nirvana this week to see if this movie is worth going to, or if those teens should just go away, is one half of the podcast nobody asked for. It's Ian Harry's Ian. Welcome back. How are you doing? I, I am good. I, I cannot start to convey how happy I was that you tweeted, we need somebody to do Teen Titans Go to the Movies, because I'd, li <laughs> I'd, I'd literally watched it the night before. And my partner had to tell me to stop talking about it, and then the next day, boom! It was it's it's just meant to be. I'm gl I'm glad to be back. Well, welcome back aboard the journey. Uh, like I said, the golden hog giveth, the golden hog doth taketh away. 
It was always meant to be. And this is this is Nicolas Cage providing um, for his for his flock. This is the shepherd cage providing for the sheep, <laughs> like like us around here. The, sh- the shepherd, the shepherd hog himself. <laughs> the shepherd of hog himself um, with his with his crook and cane, keeping us in check as we feed from the trough of cage. Um, I think a slightly more generous meal. This week, um, yeah, I was I was going to say like your uh, this it, it was around some very good films, but it's sandwiched in between like utter shite, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like you had in, Into the Spider Verse a couple of films afterwards, and Mandy a couple of films before, but then I think it's between like the one which is just numbers <laughs> and um, two eleven. As I found out, it's not two one one; it's two eleven. Who knew? Oh. Just not, yeah. just not, not me, a good name. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know until I started recording. I mean, it's just not a good name for a film. But that's just a really good way to summarise 2018. Good films surrounded by <laughs> by shit. Yeah. Um, it's a very fair way to summarise it, as it kicked off with Mandy. And then you've got um, Teen Titans Go to the Movies, then Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, I think Colour Out of Space was 2019. Yeah. Um, but then there's just some, just some dregs in there. There's two eleven. There's Looking Glass. There's a Humanity Bureau in there. Ah. Uh, um. So it's 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 the year that's giving us a little bit of Cage back after. Uh, I think, as you well know, being last on the podcast for 2014's Rage Chokarev. Um. I still haven't forgiven you for that. And nor should you. <laughs> nor should you. Um. I. It's not a. Not an apology. I will. Um, I will wait on <laughs> any time soon. But 2014, I think, arguably the worst year of Cage. 2018 is it the best year? No, but it's got some of the best movies. It's a very, very 50-50 year. Um, now I think it's fair to say uh, you've seen Teen Titans go to the movies before. Um, and I think it's also fair to say that you were quite a fan. Of this film, um, obviously we'll we'll break it down. We'll get into the nitty and the gritty as we go along. But for you, Teen Titans, go to the movies. Did you first see this when this released at the cinema? Uh, so I didn't see it in the cinema. I saw it when it came out on home release. Um, I'd heard. I, I think. I if anything, I found out it existed because of the Nicolas Cage connection. And it was like, <laughs> oh, Nicolas Nicholas Cage playing, actually voicing Superman. This sounds like something that would be down my street and then i watched it and it is similar to how i talk about nicholas cage people i think assume i'm exaggerating a bit with teen titans go to the movies but i think it's i it's one of my favorite superhero films it's so it is so weird it's a sense of humor as well that you aren't expecting from something which is kind of a kid's film Mm. like it's surprisingly adult it is horrifically meta and it is just it is so funny so i i tweeted the other day i've so i've never seen like i've never seen citizen kane i i've never seen godfather part two but i have seen teen titans go to the movies twice this year (laughs) so who's uh, who's the real winner right yeah exactly i've i've seen this film i will probably watch this film every couple of months (laughs) because <laughs> it is it is so easy it's so easy to watch and just kind of like fun like so I'll sometimes throw it on while I'm working because it's like I've seen it a load of times but I'm still going to laugh it's uh it's a good one 
Yeah, I mean, like yourself, um, I think, you know, but to, to put my own view, my own words here, I, I am not someone who considers myself to be a, a cinema connoisseur. I've not seen all the movies. Um, I will tell you on Facebook that I have so that my mum will stay off my back. <laughs> um, I only saw The Godfather 1 um, like two weeks ago for the 50th anniversary uh, re-release, re-screening. So I was like, oh, now everyone can just shut up when I tell them that I haven't seen The Godfather. Leave me alone about it. I'll get round to it. Um, but absolutely adored The Godfather. Um, the only thing I know about Citizen Kane is the the Simpsons reference. Wait a minute, there was no Kane in Citizen Kane. Yeah, I, I know um, how to. I know how to use it in a sentence. In that, <laughs> well, it's no Citizen Kane. Not not that I've seen it, but I know that's how it's supposed to be talked about. Just in the same way that we can just um, completely just throw around the term Orwellian and have no real idea of the context. <laughs> um, you've not seen Citizen Kane. That's Orwellian. Um, is did I use that right? It sounded like I did. Just, I, I think I like to think nobody has actually watched a Citizen Kane. <laughs> it's just, just everyone says that they have because they don't want to be the ones to come out and admit they haven't. <laughs> we see you all on Letterboxd with your little star ratings and yeah, your hearts. We know, we know, we see you. More like Citizen, L- lame. I didn't have any confidence in that at all. <laughs> <laughs> he says slandering what is considered to be the greatest film of all time, having never seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's just not for me. It's it's very Orwellian. <laughs> this podcast is Orwellian, <laughs> goddammit, with his snarky opinions about stuff. Um, but but also for me, you know, this was much like The Godfather, a first time viewing for me for Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Because um, I was thinking about this because I. Um, I make this sound like I'm ancient. I, from an era, a time of Cartoon Network when the 2003 series was on TV. And I remember being a big fan of that, the older version of Teen Titans, um, when it was, there was still humour in it, but it, it was generally speaking, as I think with a lot of DC animation, um, a lot more serious, a lot darker. DC do tend to do dark. Well, their animated stuff tends to do dark quite well. And then I, I was... I guess grown out of it a bit by that point. I was aware of Teen Titans Go, which was kind of the spin-off, requely rebooty, more kid-centric cartoon but, series, but with the same cast as the dark version of it, which I always found really interesting. Yeah, they kept the same cast here yeah. as two thousand and three, and then I know they had a follow-up to this, which they teased in the credits, like Teen Titans versus Teen Titans Go. Um. I think there was like three, there's been, or there will be three sequels to this, but they've all gone straight to DVD. They had a Space Jam tie-in. Yeah, which is, it's it looks, so I, I haven't watched the Space Jam one, but I think it's kind of like a mystery science theatre kind of thing. Yeah, that so I think it's seems them, true. I think it's them watching Space Jam. <laughs> which. Well, from the, from the, Reviews and opinions I've seen about Space Jam Legacy. That seems like the best way to watch it. Is to get <laughs> so, yeah, someone else to watch it for you. Um, this is this is what happens when it's nostalgia, nostalgia baiting, and just uh, just leave the memories alone. the The Looney Tunes they won the basketball. They just leave them be. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the, the Cartoon Network that I sort of remembered it being a lot more 
serious and darker. But now having watched this, I think as of recording that the series is currently available on numerous streaming services and now I kind of want to watch Teen Titans go like all five seasons of that because it seems excellent I haven't so I I did exactly the same after watching Teen Titans go which which to um I I I feel like we have to pronounce it as it's stylized which is just Teen Titans go to the movies um Yes. So, so I did. I did the same thing of watching the TV series or bits of the TV series after watching the film, and it is it is a very similar sense of humour. It is just it is just entirely self self referential and a bit silly, and it is so like especially with kind of the the shows that you know the the cartoon stuff we would have grown up with, like the odd like cat dog stuff. Like this kind of like this wouldn't be out of place amongst that. Yeah, definitely agreed. I think that's why I think one you know we're saying that the cartoons we would have grown up with, and they say, "Why are millennials so broken?" At did you see the things that we watched that we were permitted <laughs> oh, yeah. before the era of regulation when we had stuff like uh, obviously uh, cat dog cowage cowage courage the cowardly dog. Um, Cowage the Caterpillar coming soon. Um, <laughs> but I'm still, I'm still not sure if Ren and Stimpy was for kids. Absolutely not. That was a joke that got like, out of hand. Yeah, that was. I still have nightmares about Ren and Stimpy. That is, that is fucking <laughs> weird. Stimpy, stop sleeping with my wife, or something. I might that that might well have been a joke. Um, what else? Was Obviously, Rugrats, Angry Beavers. Um, oh, Angry Beavers was fucking weird, and it was also called Angry Beavers, <laughs> which and only one of them was really angry. Yeah, and Fa- Fairly Odd Parents was always fun. I had a lot of time for Fairly Odd Parents. I think you can you find all these like clips now of like cartoons that slip in like, the adult jokes and stuff. And there's obviously Animaniacs with the whole infamous fingerprints one. Yes. Um, one which, of the best jokes ever written. I still maintain that. <laughs> which, you know, just fly past us as kids. And then you realise now, and I look at this as, as an, a now 30-year-old looking back and like, this explains why I'm such a warped, twisted individual that I was just permitted to download all of this, <laughs> this nonsense. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're just, we're a deeply broken gen- Like, I know other generations had, like, world wars and stuff like that, but they didn't have to grow up watching a half-dog, half-cat hybrid animal, which really should have just been put out of its misery early, trying to live through its life. I mean, like, Rocco's modern life as well. Um, mm. But I, I, I saw, like, on the back of this, like, a tweet the other day saying, like, the millennial humour when, you know, our generation is in, like, 70s and 80s. And it was um, just like this image of like an old man with his family around the dinner table, and there was just a caption saying, um, "Damn that turkey thick!" And then the family going like, "Grandpa, what's wrong? Why did you say that?" <laughs> like, you just don't get it. You just don't understand what a delinquent, a delinquent culture that we are. Um, it was, like, it was, it was funny, but mostly it was funny because it wasn't actually funny. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you don't. You had to be there. You don't get it. Um, I think that's that feels like a flash forward into my future when I'm going to be <laughs> like, oh, grandpa, grandpa Daryl's off on it again, talking about grandpa. The, gold, the golden hog has been in charge of the world for two hundred years. You have to, you have to let this go. Like <laughs> God Emperor Cage, <laughs> Hog Emperor Cage. 
um, when he ascends to his golden throne. And then I will, I will use this as my time capsule, as my uh, assessment criteria to be let into the golden gates of Hogtopia. Um, you, you laugh now, film Twitter. Um, also, Twitter, not a real place. Do not get, never get involved in the discourse. Oh, by um, by by the future, it might be. But it might have just like I don't know, like bought Belgium or something. It'll have bought Belgium. We'll have to use our Twitter credit score to find out where we are on the social <laughs> ranking of life, um, which will be very interesting uh, to see where we are. That's that's not that's not a question I need answered. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'd rather I'd rather not know. Just, just put me in the body cart and ship me off over the cliff edge uh, where I belong, in the mire and the dregs <laughs> of society and life. Um, but to your point, though, uh, before I became millennial and old and twisted there, um, I think this is this would have fit in very well maybe in the generation of cartoons that we grew up watching. Because um, it's got that perfect blend of bits for the adults, a lot for the kids... Um, well, they um they not to jump too far ahead, but they straight up murder a baby. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. this is this is a PG kids cartoon where they straight up murder a baby, and it's it's played for laughs. And I'm not gonna lie, I laughed quite a lot. <laughs> they murder a baby. They leave um the challenges of the unknown in the empty void. They're they're the in canon of the series now. They're the reason Batman's parents got murdered. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh, I love this film so much. <laughs> it's, yeah, here's the thing: because like this is one of those films that I sort of when I started the podcast, I knew this is one of the films that was coming up, um, coming up, and I knew I'd have to get to it eventually. So this is one that I sort of made a conscious decision to just leave and let it be out there um because i think like admittedly i'll hold my hands up here and say um that i thought i did sort of write this off a little bit it's just like a kid's film like uh, i didn't know if there'd be much for me in there i don't know like a friend of mine that their kids sort of really love this film they love all the music in this film and sort of sing along with it as well and i was kind of thinking like aghast a musical in the cage repertoire not in my lifetime sir well, I suppose on the topic of it, the music in this is really good. It's oh, really catchy. It's great. The I I am um, upbeat inspirational song about life is too good a song. Like I don't know at what point in the last ten years Michael Bolton realised he was funny, but <laughs> it's it is a song sung predominantly by a white tiger surfing on a rainbow with a guitar. Yeah, and uh, it, I, I've, uh, I, well, I obviously in preparation for this, I, I listened to it before uh, jumping on the recording, but it's, uh, I think one of the lines is, "It's an '80s song with synthy vibes," <laughs> <laughs> and it is. Oh God, yeah. I saw and- um, there, there was an interview with some of the writers, and they said that one of the writers, Michael Jelenic, wrote it, and the inspiration was just writing a song. Um, about how an upbeat song can just make your life better. Um, and I will I'll say credit to Michael Jelenic. I think it has. Oh, yeah. It's um, 
so I, I just I just pulled up some of the lyrics because it is too funny. It's it's the kick in the pants you needed. This song will open up your eyes. It's the feeling you can't be defeated. It's an eighty song with sympathy. Uh, it's an eighty song with sympathy vibes, and you know it's super upbeat. Upbeat. It's time to get <laughs> upbeat. I will. I don't know why I had to pull up the lyrics because I know the vast majority of these words anyway. Or the um, you also then had the song. Oh, and um, that is uh, a tiger that they run over. And then yes. scream, I think his dad's a cop, before driving away. <laughs> so it's it's not just a baby that they murder in this. They murder oh, no. Michael Bolton, White Tiger. They murder um, baby Superman. Um, so murder is just a fun little quirky thing that can happen at any time in this film. Yeah, it's, play, you know, mur- murder for laughs. It's a great one. That sounds like a film Bruce Willis would do. Um, <laughs> or his, st- his body double would do, you mean. Ah, true, true. But he's, yeah, upbeat inspiration song about life. And then um, Robin, Robin's uh, superhero movie song. Uh, my superhero is, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which is all about him. It's all about him. But it, it, it's so, and the, the, the film also perfectly, like, it is such a good satire on superhero movies to the point where, um, so the superhero movie song covers it really well, but there's like fake trailers that they release for various Batman themed movies, which were, <laughs> which were at the time entirely played for laughs. But now there is an Alfred TV series. It's foreshadowing, baby. That's what this oh, is. It, it, so that means the next film out is going to be a Batmobile movie. And then after that, the film we all needed, Utility Belt. <laughs> but- Batman's utility belt. I think this is kind of one of the good things about the film as well in the um, in sort of the writing and the portrayal because it is a send up of superhero tropes, but it's kind of it's also an enjoyment of those tropes as well. It's not saying like yeah, these tropes are bad for X reasons. Like these are silly tropes, and this is kind of the reason that we all enjoy comic book movies. Yeah. There's kind of nothing really um, malicious in the humor of the film, which I think is really was really great and came across really well as well um i mean like um obviously like michael bolton in there who's he got an 80s pop song i was i was reading to this as well they said that they asked michael bolton to be the uh the keytar playing white tiger and he was and i quote super into it and just said yes immediately and they were saying to him oh there's going to be a song you're going to be singing as a white tiger and playing a keytar and they said his response was he was just nodding along, saying "cool, cool, cool" when he was told what the role was. Um, so Michael Bolton, what a guy! We used to uh, so at, at uni, uh, me and a friend of mine, uh, Nate, used to we watched because um, Michael Bolton was in the Jack Sparrow Lonely Island song. Yes, yes, um, he was. And we were like deadline day for uh, a lot of essays. We're sitting in the university library. Um, back when everyone had to print stuff off at the university library and we were sitting there with a friend of ours and on three individual computers next to each other full screen we were watching the Jack Sparrow music video for what must have been like the 10th time and we had a (laughs) load of people come and we we, to be fair we were having a break from working Mm -hmm. but we had a load of people come up to us and say oh have you finished and we're just like looking at them with Jack Sparrow blaring in the background just like no (laughs) <laughs> and I just I can't think of Michael Bolton without us just sitting in a library watching this with people thinking we were using up resources just to watch Michael Bolton be funny 
<laughs> you you were actively hampering people's education. Actively hampering people's education, and uh, uh, good times. But he was, yeah. I, he he seems um, like I said. I I don't know when he made the decision. He's funny, but he keeps popping up in really weird stuff like this, and he just seems like he's up. He, he's up for anything, and I have a lot of time for that. I wonder with uh, maybe like certain actors and celebrities and stuff, if it just gets to a point in your career or, you know, using Michael Bolton as an example here, where it's just like, I've done everything, so why not be a, a guitar playing White Tiger? Yeah. So I think that would be my um, my thought process going into it as well. Um, but uh, we said uh, my superhero movie as well, um, a great song, which is obviously about Robin wanting a movie of his own before he finds out that everything but Robin is going to get a, uh, a movie. Um, one of the writers, hopefully I'm pronouncing this correctly, uh, Peter uh, Reader Mikhail, hopefully I've pronounced that correctly, described it as the most challenging one to write, said it took about um, uh, three weeks to get that down there. Um, but it's absolutely paid off, I would say. It's one of the one of the catchiest... I think arguably the catchiest one in the um, in the movie... Um, you said he had to study like musicals to get sort of the rhythms down, because I, I think from the interviews I've seen, none of them claim to have any musical experience. I yeah. think they have songs in the TV series, but they said they just usually knock them out in a night. Um, and they're like, you know, when you're writing a TV show because you've got a new episode coming up the week after, if some of the jokes don't land, you're like, oh, that's fine, we'll get them next time. But for a movie, everything has to be um, sort of spot on and to the point as well. Um, they said that they did this movie at the same time they were making the TV series, and they oh wow, they made it in a year and a half or less than a year and a half, which just seems insane because this was I saw like a hand drawn film as well, um, which just seems like absolute madness to me um, to get that crunch out there. But especially when you look into like one of my because I have seen this film like five or six or more times um there are so many background gags like the 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 level of so like you were talking about every superhero movie or every superhero character's got a movie apart from robin um when they're in the cinema they've got all of the posters up in the background and they're all genius so you could watch this entire it, it's so much thought and effort has gone into it you could just watch the background and still find it really funny like mm. I can't, I can't, I can't. I assumed it would be a couple of years, like a year and a half to do that is mental. While they were doing a TV series, it's it's absolutely insane turnaround. But I think by any metric, um, but I I think they said it, it was quite taxing on the staff, so they had to bring some more people in to do it. Um, it does look like this did lead to spoilers in some countries, though. Um, said so there were some countries that obviously continued to get the TV series before the movie. And there was an episode, I think it's called Tower Renovation or something like that, um, where, obviously going towards the end of the movie, the Titan Tower is destroyed. Um, and there's an episode that sort of continues from that with the tower being rebuilt. And they got that sort of spoiler. I think in Japan <laughs> they got that spoiler before the movie, so there's like no context, just a destroyed tower. Um 
There was also some merchandise I saw that gave some spoilers. Um, and again, we're jumping ahead here. Spoilers if you've not seen the film. I never do spoiler warnings in these episodes. I'm like 80-odd in. I've never done a spoiler warning. I, I, think if you're, I, I think if you're listening to a film or an episode where the episode title is just a film, you kind of have to expect spoilers. <laughs> you're listening That's... to that? You hear that? You did it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, this is your fault, not ours. <laughs> Cage Rage, Nicholas Cage podcast promotes victim blaming. Um, we don't, we don't. That is a joke. Hashtag that is a joke. Um, there was a toy of Slade as well. That's basically Slade. <laughs> that basically revealed that uh, the twist that Slade is Jade yeah. by having her head as an additional part. Um, I saw there was a poster as well, but it had like the, the main cast members who were doing the voices of the Teen Titans. They all had their own individual lines, except for Will Arnett, who voices Slade, and Kristen Bell, who voices Jade. They had their names on the same line, perhaps foreshadowing that they are the same person. Oh my god. So can't you ruddy believe it? Um, no, I, I suppose with that being said, I, I guess... Actually, no, going back to the, the all the, the background gags as well, um, I suppose there'll be... There'll probably like a hundred that I've missed because it's like a first time viewing. Although there was one at the theatre that I did notice when they had like, I think was it? It was either a Batman versus Superman or a Batman versus like Joke, and it was like Yawn of Justice. Yeah, was like the, <laughs> was the tagline. Um, and also that there is, there is that Batman versus that in the the film of Teen Titans Go to the movies. Uh, sorry, Teen Titans Go to the movies. Um, they are filming Batman versus Superman two. Then they have that whole um, Martha uh, thing. What my, what's your mother's name? It's like, my mummy's name is Martha. <laughs> like, <laughs> Mine what's, too. Wait, what's your dad's name? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell. It is. Then they're just like rubbing cheeks together and hugging, mm. and they're about to kiss each other, I think is the context there. Um, the sort of co writer, co director, Aaron Horvath, told Entertainment Weekly. That joke, the uh, BVS Martha joke, was nearly cut from the movie. Uh, the suits, the execs, did not care for it. Um, it was on the chopping block for months. The executive producer, Sam Register, had to fight hard for it, and they uh, let them keep it right at the end. But they did add as well, um, at every test screening, that got one of the biggest laughs every single time. So it was kind of like going back to the... Uh, Flipping off the suits in in the the students saying like, do you want to be the those people that cut the the, the laughs from a comedy film? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. To be fair, guys, you okayed this hilarious line of dialogue in an actual serious superhero movie, <laughs> so you kind of you got to own up to it, really. <laughs> I mean, you know, the the sticking to your guns and having pride in your work, and then there's also not acknowledging. The one line in a movie that unanimously the world said that was utter shite. Why, why oh. did you do that? God bless, God bless. You know, Batman and Superman for have, for being sad lads. A couple of hashtag sad lads in this day and age. Yeah, it's you know fair fair play to them. <laughs> but I just ah uh, yeah yeah it's it was just perfectly fitting with the tone. Like like we said, it, it is like a. I don't know. I tried the, the lazy phrase would be like a loving send up of superhero movies. Yeah, and you, you can't do that without taking the piss out of the whole Martha thing. Yeah, it's, it's... It, yeah, it, it 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 was great. 
I, I, I loved it. Um, <laughs> it. It was kind of interesting for me because literally the last film I've watched before this one was The Batman. Ah, nice. And, and now I've gone to uh, Teen Titans Go, like absolute polar opposites in terms of just uh, tone and style and, um, you know, obviously... No spoilers for the Botman here because it's very fresh. I don't know how we get about spoilers on film Twitter if it's been more than a an hour and we've not seen films yet. Um, yeah, but, it was a lot. It was a lot easier to steer clear of spoilers when we didn't have a movie podcast Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like you've done this to yourself, uh, listener. But uh, the. Batman in this, I think, was voiced by Jimmy Kimmel. If I if I saw yes. that correctly, like a yeah. big all star cast, Jimmy Kimmel voicing uh, Batman and getting three spin off films, uh, which was Alfred, uh, which was coming broom was the tagline to that coming coming broom. Yeah, Batman's car was coming broom, and Utility Belt. I don't think got one, um, except for making Robin very sad. And speaking of sidekicks, you might hear my cat meowing outside yeah. trying to get in. She likes, she likes wordplay. Loves wordplay, loves a good pun, wants to get in on it. Um, but it makes Robin very sad, the, the wordplay, that he's not getting wordplay of his own. And I guess that's that's the whole thing about this film, as I sort of touched upon at the start, that the, uh, the, the quote-unquote, the main superheroes, the Justice League, don't view the Teen Titans as legitimate heroes because they're as Superman says, you're goofsters. Um, and they don't have their own movies. Um, but that's the joke as well. Superman's like, oh, like, oh, I've had numbers of movies. Wonder Woman's like, it took a long time, but we eventually got one. And Green Lantern's like, yeah, we don't really we don't really talk about that one. Um, so it's, it's just like lovingly meta and just self-referential to just a lot of stuff as well. It's just so, uh, it's just so fun and nice throughout yeah. all of it yeah and i mean and then even the even the casting of nicholas cage as superman is a meta thing because nicholas cage very famously made 20 million dollars for not playing superman so he had like a <laughs> um uh, he was cast in superman lives which would have been the tim burton superman movie Yes. Um, that was based off of a script originally written by Kevin Smith, um, and he was he was on a yeah he was off uh, his contract was he would be paid twenty million dollars regardless of whether the film happened. What a contract! Which is, which is nice because I I haven't played Superman either, and I, <laughs> I I I think that means I owed twenty million dollars. Well, in the in in the communities, you are one of the few people out there who hasn't played Superman. So more fool yeah. you, really. Ah, yeah, true, true. I've got to, got to speak to my agent and see what we can do. But the <laughs> the the Superman lives like background story is fascinating. Kev, uh, Kevin Smith does a lot of uh, his like one man shows talking about how it was made or how how it was kind of like um, sidelined. Apparently, there was a producer who demanded. That the film end with Superman fighting a giant spider, think... and he was ju- he was obsessed with the idea of giant spiders, and then that producer went on to make Wild Wild West, which which famously oh has a giant spider, a giant mechanical spider. Oh god, the pieces! I think Superman lives though is 
maybe even infamously at this point, the most one of the most famous films to have never have been made. Yeah. I think I know Kevin Smith's script exists. You can find it online yeah. and read it in its entirety. Um, there is test footage or costume footage of Nicolas Cage with glorious long hair. Oh yeah, in the Superman costume. Um, and I believe there's a documentary that exists as well about. So it's the the death of Superman lives. It's the documentary. Great um, title. Uh, I've been meaning to watch it, but just never, never gotten around to it. It's very difficult. So it is on YouTube, um, but outside of it, it's uh, it's the YouTube thing where they they've done things to get around copyright. So it's a difficult watch. Oh, it's, it is. The classic 240p zoomed in more than is comfortably necessary. Flipped. Yeah, yeah slight, the colour's slightly off. So I, I haven't watched it yet. And it's it's it used to be on Prime, but I didn't watch it in time. And now I can't <sighs> find it anywhere. But it's because I, th- I think like Christopher Walken was attached to it. I think Chris Rock was going to be in it. It was going to um, be a, a veritable who's who of, uh, of 90s. Mm. Um. I remember, like, I I did start reading the script at some point, but I I think I made it about ten pages, and then I had to go and do other things. But for some reason, there was a, there was a scene in the script that I don't know why I remember this. It was Nicolas Cage as Superman speaking to a boy about eating spaghetti and how spaghetti is a nice thing. Um, which which if that doesn't say all you need to know about what that film would have turned into, spaghetti and giant spiders. Spaghetti giant spiders and apparently um you they didn't want them to sh- they didn't want to show Superman flying. <laughs> I think I think I need to let that just sit there for a second. Yeah. I'm going to edit in a long pause of silence <laughs> <laughs> just to really accentuate that. It's just like I mean with with the like the costume fittings. I mean obviously Obviously, we look back in like a twenty a twenty twenties lens and be like, Nicholas Cage is Superman. What and like, yes, it is like you have to sit down and take a minute to process what you've just been told. I remember telling my other half, I was like, "Oh, did you know that Nicholas Cage was nearly Superman?" She's like, that, "That's a lie that you've just made up. That's not a thing." <laughs> that, and I showed her the image. I was like, "I swear to God, this is true. Like, this is Nicholas Cage, long hair as Superman." She was like. I think she's still she's still reeling, and that was like two years ago. I told her about that. She's still recovering. Um, well, it was back. It was to be fair. It was back in the day where like he just seemed to when he wasn't acting, he was doing sit ups. <laughs> I think <laughs> like he 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 was. It would be like Con Air kind of period Cage. I think so. He he was at least Cage level muscly, like kind. Of, he's no Henry Cavill, but you know he was. Uh, he he was. Yeah, I mean, like this. This is a thing. If it was going to come out in the nineties, so it would have been a fairly trim cage. I mean, I wonder when about it would have been released. Would it have been around the testosterone trilogy era of Rock Face Off and um, Con Air? Would it have been a bit afterwards? Would it have been? So it it was originally set up for a summer ninety eight release which would have coincided with the 60th anniversary of his debut in action comics wow because i just found out i had the uh the wikipedia or the uh the window open on my computer of superman lives from where i was making notes (laughs) yesterday wow i mean an anniversary release 98 would have put it out at the same time as face off what an incredible year that could have been if we got face off cage and and superman cage 
I mean, I'm just sort of looking here and I've, I've touched upon like briefly in like past episodes about some cage merch that I have. I do have a Nicolas Cage Superman enamel pin um, and it is, it is glorious. Obviously, this is audio, so me showing it to you will do nothing for the listener. I'll exclude all of you in a heartbeat like that. You're done to me. Um, but it's one of those, again, I often think about um, I suppose we talk about like films that Nicolas Cage was almost in and then they sort of fell through for whatever reason like he was nearly the voice of Shrek he was ne- nearly um, Aragorn in the Lord of the Rings trilogy he my, is still my king of men um, my, my, fa- my favourite one of those is always Dumb and Dumber was apparently written with Nicolas Cage and Gary Oldman in mind can you imagine which I I I I can't imagine, <laughs> but I I would I I'm terrified what I would give to uh, actually see that. The things the things we would do, I mean, the, I think I think it's correct that he turned it down to do Leaving Las Vegas, which I think worked out quite well for Cage. Yeah, it's fair in the end, um, but that means there is an alternative universe, an alternate universe out there. Where there was a cage, Oldman, Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and Dumber. Um, I was talking about this in the Mandy episode as well because originally he was eyed up to play um, the villain in that, who drops his robe and presents full hog. There was a there is a universe out there where Nicolas Cage derobed and presented as full hog, and we've been denied this. I've been denied alternate realities for too long, and I quite frankly will not stand for it anymore. There, there was glimpses of hog in early. Hog films, right? I maintain that we saw some side hog in City of Angels. The yeah. scene was in the shower. It could have been a body double, but there was, and let's put it this way, generous side hog. Um, you had to look through a mirror to see it, but let me tell you, it did not escape my gaze. No, sir, it did not. Um, and that's that's my vow to you, the listener. Nary shall a hog escape my gaze. <laughs> that. that <laughs> <laughs> that is my vow, my solemn golden vow to the listener. Nary shall a hog escape my gaze. And I was watching this movie with my um my partner. We watched it, and she's classically like not a big Cage fan. There's only a few films with him in that she'll watch. This being one of them. And when this mo- uh, this song came on, she's like this. She said this song reminds me of being in a club, and I'm not having a good time. Um. I'm just reading through this like a wiki that have, exists for um, Death of Superman because I still think it's it's just a fascinating concept. I think Brainiac was supposed to be a lead villain in that. Hmm. Lex Luthor was supposed to be in it. They were in one script. They were going to merge into Luthiac. <laughs> um, there was different scripts as well. Um, I think they had some like flashbacks to young Superman and then. Older Superman, um, and then lots of fights. I think Brainiac was still the main element, uh, and there was going to be a twist ending where Lois Lane was going to be pregnant with Superman's child, and then um, I suppose really the real Superman's child here was Nicolas Cage's child, Kal-El Cage, making his acting debut in this movie yes. as well. Was he young, young Batman? Uh, young Batman in in the flashback where they send Batman's parents. <laughs> down Crime Alley, and uh, put the put the pearl necklace back onto his mother's oh. 
neck it's, as well. It's such a good line, though. It's like, don't go down there, that's Crime Alley. And you just cut down to loads of like shady people shooting people. <laughs> you, they say, like, you need to go down like Happiness Lane or something. It's some, just... Something like that, yeah. Which it's is just... all just like flowers, rainbows, and white picket fences. <laughs> that's the one you need to go down to. Um, but that, but that apparently, though, speaking of, you know, obviously it's um, it's no secret that Nicolas Cage is a huge comic book fan. His acting name now, as we know, Nicolas Cage was because he loved Luke Cage. Huge fan of Superman. I'm sure at one point in one of his, um, he owned a Superman, like a Superman one or something, or an action comics. Uh, in amongst all the other various yeah. paraphernalia of things that he should not have bought because his accountant was too busy hiding on an island somewhere. Yeah, between between two of the castles and the dinosaur skull, he bought some comics. Finally, something that the real we can relate to, the real people on the ground can relate to. Um, but he was cast in this. Now, apparently, and the writers were saying this in the interview as well, that um, the studios, again, the quote-unquote omnipotent evil studios, wanted Superman to be voiced by Jason Bankman, um, they were very keen to get Jason Bankman. Um, they said that just because reasons. They're not sure why, but the plans just fizzled out and fell through. And then they swooped in and suggested Nicolas Cage. Um, and Cage's only caveat to starring in the film was that Kal-El Cage, his youngest son, be in it as well because he's a huge fan of the TV series. So Cage doing great dad work and huge dad duty there. Yeah. Cage, Cage is Kal-El with Kal-El Cage. <laughs> just, just really confusing things. It really slips off the tongue, doesn't it? But I don't know. I just, I, I don't think Jason Bateman would have delivered the line, "Fighting through explosive diarrhea, what a champ!" with the same kind of intensity that Nicolas Cage did. There are it's some... one, of, it's one of my favourite Nicolas Cage lines in a film. I think that is just pretty much out of nowhere, and it is glorious. I think it's up there for me as well. Fighting through explosive diarrhea. What a chap. Um, he was asked in an interview of, I think it's by USA Today, about playing Superman. This is kind of like the only short paragraph that exists. Um, he said, it wasn't really the version that Tim Burton and I had in mind, but it was just fun. It was terrific. It was nice to be involved in something my kid loves, and we got to do it together. So it seems like um, a lovely time was had by all uh, in the making of this. But then, again, it's just him saying that. It's like he's still almost kind of holding on to the Tim Burton vision of what of what could have been. And, you know, I don't know that we will ever see that Superman. I know there's um, a big hard-on now for multiverses out there. We're getting Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which I'm praying we might get a Ghost Rider cage. I was, I was just, I was just going to say that. There's, there's a lot of speculation. I'm trying to stay away because I know it's just going to set me up to be disappointed I know, I know Like I, deep down in my heart of hearts I know he's not going to be there like obviously they've, they've teased already in the trailers um, at the point of recording again that um, uh, Professor Xavier is going to be there um, who's, I can't believe I've forgotten his name I had it and it's gone Patrick Stewart Patrick motherfucking Stewart um, yeah, Captain, Captain Picard Captain Picard um, I don't know why. Like, I just thought of Patrick Stewart then, and then for that for some reason that award show when he just had that war with James Corden on stage. Oh, that was weird. 
because I don't like feeling sympathy for James Corden. It's, it's not something I feel comfortable doing. I don't want to be on his side in anything. And it's just it was so uncomfortable. It was, it was so weird. There was just one bit where, again, I don't even know why that argument started, but there's a bit where he goes to James Corden, cover your belly. And yes, that yeah, that's it. He kept saying. I remember he kept saying something really, really childish, and it was belly. Like was, he just kept saying belly. Cover your belly. Um, he just kept telling him to cover his belly, and I don't know why that's lived in my head rent free for years. Um, oh, fucking hell, that was yeah, yeah. I I mean to be fair, if Nicolas Cage does appear in Doctor Strange, I will be thrown out of the cinema. Because the cheer, the the cheer that will never end, that will emanate from me, which I'll have no control over, is uh, going to upset people. Yeah, I, I mean the only the only time we see it mentioned is when these completely unverified film Twitter accounts, yeah. where they've got their quote unquote sources. Yeah, it's like you're just you can say this is what I mean. You can say anything on Twitter, and people will buy it because. You need the ignorance of, of Cage fans like us to fuel that fire. And I hope he's going to be in it, even if it's just a cameo, because I know, look, he's he's, he's in his late 50s now. I think it's likely that his superhero run is done. I know he shut down the idea of a Ghost Rider 3. Um, I know they tried to do a, um, the Robbie Reyes incarnation of Ghost Rider in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series that never got picked up as like a a pilot, backdoor pilot for its own thing. So there is a Ghost Rider void to be filled. Um, and obviously the Ghost Rider comics are still in circulation today. Even if it's him just riding towards a portal with death from above 1979 blaring out and him taking a flare, um, a flaming flamethrower piss circa <laughs> Spirit of Vengeance. Um, but even with DC stuff, I know like the Flash movies coming out, I think that there's big talk there's going to be multiverse elements in that as well. Yeah, so the the Flash is an adaptation of Flashpoint, which it isn't so much multiverse. It is, um, or the comic at least, was they changed the past, which then impacted the future and everything was different. So it's still like alternate versions of things. But yeah, I think they're going to be leaning heavily into the multiverse stuff. It's, it is the now Spider Man's made all of the money. I think every <laughs> every franchise is going to get their multiverse version out there. Well, yeah, this is what we're touching upon and sort of referenced in uh, other episodes and other podcasts. Nick Cage and the multiverse of sadness. This is what <laughs> this is what we're calling for. Give us the Cage multiverse. Which we'll just... get. We'll we'll get a podcast multiverse going. So we'll do an episode of you guys. You do an episode of Coppola Connections. Petros can come in and do a podcast nobody asked for. We'll just keep passing off uh, podcasts to people. I know, but we'll just we'll make our own podcast multiverse. I think this is, I think this is this is the route that podcasts need to take. Yeah, but we, you know we're getting into. I think multiverse is where the money is. I think that's what this is what the people want. I mean, will we get? And this is hugely ambitious wishful thinking will we get in the flash a nicholas cage superman it's possible i don't know that we will but it's possible i know they've done what is it with dc that in arrow or something they've done a whole they yes they did uh 
Crisis and Infinite Earths. So they yes. had uh, the Smallville Superman uh, was in it. The guy who voices Batman on the TV series was like an old Batman on it. And they had loads of other TV series and stuff roped in, which was, to be fair, really kind of cool. <laughs> it's, I, I love, like, I, I, I as, as a comic book fan, I I love that kind of stuff. Like, I, I won't keep up with actual the stories going on but as soon as you tell me so there's a comic coming out which is like superman but it's set in the tudor times it's like done i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna read that and i'm gonna read that now it's just the slight tweak on stuff for some reason i find really really interesting but i mean teen titans go to the movies has their uh kind of changing the future scenes with uh like we said going the going back in time which on one of the best time traveling machines, I think in cinema, like the the trikes, with the definitely not the Back to the Future theme tune playing in the background. <laughs> Was it the uh, the time bikes that they? Yes, yeah. Because they they said like, um, well, I suppose to set this up, they they've gone to Warner Brothers Studios to directly ask for a movie. Um, the director Jade Wilson says like. I would only make your movie if you were the last superheroes on the planet, which they take literally. Um, and they said, well, every superhero has a tragic backstory. If we can stop the tragic backstories from happening, we'll be the only superheroes. Um, so they're supposed to take the time machine, but they're like, that's not cool, that's really boring. So they take the time trikes as the uh, the Back to the Future theme. Dun, 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 uh, cranks up. Um, so they go to a number of points. They go to um, the planet Krypton and basically stop it from being destroyed by playing the song Crystals, which is a club anthem. Yeah. A pumping <laughs> club anthem. Last to, night. We, to harmonize the crystals. To, <laughs> to harmonize the crystals. So they stop uh, Krypton from being destroyed. They. They take, they bully Wonder Woman, <laughs> so they like they take just take her whip away, um, or the take take the the, the lasso away. Um, then we have the the baby murdering scene of uh, they throw um, like the rings you keep that surround beer cans the plastic can rings on on cans yeah. Yeah. throw it throw it into the sea and a baby aquaman gets caught up in it <laughs> it's actually harrowing when you, it is when, it is harrowing when you think about it but it was so fucking funny um there's a reference they turn four turtles away from some mysterious <laughs> scoop i wonder what that could be referencing and back into the sewers um and they as we said earlier they turn the bat family the batman family away from crime alley down to happy lane um so no one's murdered and no one's sad and there's a canal cage voices a young bruce wayne there as well um but then as we and obviously to power the time cycles as well they have to do they have to get as rad as possible to power the time cycles to go back in time they have to do stunts and flips and tricks and get progressively rather. Um, and then they come back to the present. The world without superheroes is a desolate wasteland. There are no movies, only suffering. Because <laughs> um, the, yeah, they see the world, basically the city on fire, and their first response is, are there still films? 
<laughs> there's just absolute chaos everywhere. The world has just ceased to exist. I think Cyborg says, oh, going back in time and messing with the time stream didn't work. Who would have thought? <laughs> um, so they which, have weird, to... which weirdly um, is like a... It's like a retro or it is a joke about Justice League before Justice League came out. <laughs> because I'm sure that's got... Not that, not that I've seen the four-hour circle jerk that is the Snyder Cut, but I'm fairly sure a time travel is a big part of that. So it, it's I'm watching it um, the other day. I was like, oh, that, that's a Justice... Oh, wait, no, it's not, because Justice League came out two years after this film. I think at this point I'm never going to watch the Justice League. I'm, I'm tired of people... I was tired of people asking for the Snyder Cut when the first Justice League came out. I was tired of the Snyder Cut when it came out, and I've not even seen it. I do not care for the Snyder it, Cut. It is the worst part of Twitter. It is, it is so toxically awful, all of the uh, the Snyder Cut shit. The, uh, the Suicide Squad's great, though. I'd recommend that. The Suicide Squad is actually fantastic. I'd thoroughly recommend yeah. it. Um, if you want to see a real team-up movie, um, or live-action, I should say, live-action team-ups, because uh, James Gunn, the man can do no wrong, um, unless you dive into his tweet from 10 years ago. But that's a different topic for a different time. He's apologised. Um, so they uh, have to try again. They have to undo all of their superhero undoing. They have to um, let Krypton be destroyed, put... Batman's family down, uh, Crime Alley, cut um, Aquaman out of the ring can. Um, uh, not just not just let Krypton be destroyed. They go in and beat the shit out of the crystals, which then sets the process back off. So <laughs> you could say again, this is a kids a kids movie where the main characters destroy a planet. <laughs> it's where they will, where the quest for legitimacy is so powerful. Um, that people, children, planets will be destroyed in an effort to get one of five their own movie. Um, but that's that is the world that we live in. Um, I think part of this as well, um, and it's not just them sort of misguidedly going through time. They're um, especially Robin. They're led down the path that if you want to be taken seriously. You have to have an arch nemesis, um, so they go out of their way to make um, Slade because you can't Slade. you can't call him Deathstroke. Can't call him Deathstroke because death's a bad word in cartoons. Um, you uh, you can though call him Deadpool, <laughs> which is a great scene in the film where if they uh, was it just just look at the camera and say something witty. <laughs> <laughs> So they keep confusing him for Deadpool, who I believe was created as a parody of Deathstroke in the first place, and then just grew and grew and grew to become yeah, much it's, more it's, popular. Uh, Deadpool is Wade Wilson, <laughs> and Deathstroke is Slade Wilson. And the director uh, is Jade Wilson. <laughs> um, so it's, it's just a big uh, just a big old send-up there. Um, because basically at the start of the film, they just have a terrible time taking down Balloon Man. They're too busy singing their um, Go oh. song to introduce themselves. Who's Who's Greg Davis? I I saw this last night as well. I was like, yeah. Greg Davis was the voice of Balloon Man. There was, there was one line. Um, I can't remember 
uh, it's towards the end. So I think after he's farted and just before the Justice League turn up, there's one line where it's very obvious it's Greg Davis. But the rest of it, it completely sailed over my head. But it's because it's it's the kind of casting where your thought isn't that's Greg Davis. It's, oh, that sounds like Greg Davis. <laughs> this this was the thing, because I just happened to be sort of looking on like the cast as the film was starting. Cause I was like, oh, I'll take a note of who he's who, because we're going to get introduced to some characters quickly. Then I, was, I had to double take, and I was like, Balloon Man is Greg Davis. Uh, comedy treasurer of the UK, Greg Davis. Um, but I, I, actually, because we referenced him earlier, Bloom Man was supposed to be voiced by James Corden, who dropped out of the film for reasons unknown. Um, he will not be missed. Um, yeah. <laughs> just, just to go, just to make the podcast go very serious for a moment. Just want to put this on record. I hate James Corden. <laughs> I, I hate every single thing about him, and I legitimately think the human race as a people would be better without him. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> I'm going to clip that, put it at the start, at the end. Various, but some podcasts use like a musical transition. I'm going to use that <laughs> as a transition. <laughs> Just that. I might use that for future episodes. Uh, so like, also, um, going back to Cut Out of Space, I think James Corden should die. So the Cut Out of <laughs> yeah. Space was made. Um, yeah. You know who isn't in this film? James Corden. Good riddance. <laughs> I'm going to retroactively re-edit the past 80 episodes to be like, guess who's not in this movie? James Corden. Just, uh, I'll, I'll get, we'll get like a James Corden can fuck himself jingle. It'll be, it'll be brilliant. <laughs> All the kids will love it. It's a podcast that reviews every movie James Corden has not been in. The, um, the, uh, FJC podcast, fuck James Corden podcast. <laughs> um, I always I'll start, find it's, I'll get started on the t-shirts. I always find it so fascinating because like, as a culture, we moved from hating Coldplay and Nickelback to James Corden. And you must think, like, Chad Crow's going like, oh, Jesus, thank Christ for Corden. It's finally the taking the, the heat. It's finally over. <laughs> we can now just go back to memes like, look at this graph. Yeah, yeah. It's, now, it's, it's moved from that to James Corden and Jake Gyllenhaal for stealing Taylor Swift's scarf. That's where that's where we are as a society now. I wonder who will be next. It's still going to be James Corden. But <laughs> thou shalt not besmirch Taylor Swift for <laughs> for the fan base will have your pants down um and smack your silly little bottom. Um I always find it fascinating that we just decided we hated James Corden because obviously, obviously he, he basically had a pass for Gavin and Stacey, obviously a very mm. beloved British sitcom. And then um, if you remember it, there was the ill-advised Horn and Corden sketch, sketch show. The, the, one of the worst sketch shows ever made. One of the most awful, awful things which proved that James Corden cannot write by himself outside of the realms of Gavin and Stacey. And then uh. he got too big for his boots. He gained confidence. He was in some car adverts. And then suddenly we were like, America, he's your problem now. And then globally we decided... <laughs> fuck this guy and the fact he keeps appearing in films um i i maintain and i you might agree with this i maintain that james corden has got something on someone in hollywood that keeps getting him that makes him uncancelable despite best efforts otherwise I th- I I think so. I I I don't. Yeah, I I tried to figure out 
why he's as successful and like loved in America as because most of the time when British people become successful in America, they're also loved and successful here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but James Corden is outside of a very set type of person. Um, everybody hates James Corden. I think it's one of like the unifying features now of being British. Yeah, sarcasm powering through hating James Corden. I think he's up there on a pedestal, a very exclusive pedestal with Piers Morgan as figures who exist across the globe, but are hated goddamn near everywhere. Um, (laughs) Is the appropriate response. Uh, Piers Morgan, who also is not in Teen Titans going to the movies. There's a, there's a new podcast films Pierce Morgan is not in, um, which is a lot of them. Um, but going back to the topic of villains, uh, Slade, voiced by Will Arnett, um, as we said, they're they're trying to get him to be the arch nemesis. I think it's Jade Wilson says, "Well, you can't make a film because you, unless you have an arch nemesis yeah. as well." Um, so Slade, who is definitely not Deadpool. Uh, tricks them with mind manipulation. Mind manipulation! <laughs> Which uh, is basically uh, the wobbly pencil trick, um, yeah. the disconnected thumb magic trick, and the classic look over there. <laughs> um, which is his, his classic mind manipulation. Um, because he is stealing, I think he outright calls it a plot device crystal. Yeah. Um, an absolute sort of, uh, sort of MacGuffin of a crystal, which is just used to move the plot along. Which is used to power the... Oh, I don't think I made a note of the acronym. Um, it's it's desi- it's the Doomsday device, which is like a digital media streaming device. And <laughs> it's, it's a Doomsday device, um, but the, the scheme is that all of the heroes are so busy making their own movies that um, they're also instructed to basically gather parts for the Doomsday Machine, which he will then use to infuse his mind manipulation in all of the superhero movies, and then he can sort of take over the world. I think that's the basic gist of what he wants to do. Um, But it's just... It's it's just fantastic, because we're all so obsessed with superhero movies, everyone's going to see them and then fall under... Um, and then fall under his control. Um, so I just uh, sorry, I I had to Google it because it's a great joke. Um, the Doomsday device. So Doomsday is actually digitally ordering online movies directly at you. Device. <laughs> that was it. Because I realised <laughs> I'd not taken note of it either. But it's so it's so good. It's so good. Um, then obviously the Teen Titans are like. Doomsday, that sounds a bit suspicious. Um, I think they're the only ones who see that it is, and then it sort of leads to uh, all of the superheroes being sort of mind-manipulated as well. Um, And then the only reason they can sort of beat Slade later on in the movie is because they actually take it seriously and don't fall for it. He even tries another classic, the what's that on your shirt it's like no, seriously, no, seriously, it really draws the eye. Like my God, it's so big. How can it when I'm not wearing a shirt? <laughs> it's, oh God, it's 
I think you can't really like stress enough as well that like there are so many like gags a minute in this movie, and it's only eighty four minutes. Oh, it goes by yeah. so quick. Um, it's really kind of like a breakneck speed that the film sort of like powers through. Um, and in all this time, we get like two Stan Lee cameos as well. Who's uh, yeah? Who's like it, I? I don't care if it's DC. I just love making cameos. It's t- it's time for another Stan Lee subtle cameo. <laughs> I was reading that they they got Stan Lee in the movie, um, and it's kind of like um, almost quite better than getting Stan Lee in the movie because in this the Teen Titans think they ha- the only way they could be legit is by getting their own movie, and the writers were saying that Stan Lee basically legitimised the movie for them by having a cameo in it. <laughs> um, and there was a, a tidbit as well, basically um, he, he passed away not too long after this film was like released. So they said they had to go to him to record his audio, but the um, the audio engineer's equipment broke, so they had to record his audio on a laptop, and Stanley was, and I quote, busting his balls the whole time. <laughs> so, um, uh, God bless Stan the Manly. Um, for his, uh, I think you see that cameo, you saw the cameo, he seems sort of like creeping around the back lot of the Warner Brothers studios, and I was like, oh. God bless him. Well, God I th- I I thought the first so the first time I watched it, I thought that would be it. That it was the joke was it's obviously Stanley in the background, and then he starts talking. And it's like, oh shit, that is Stanley. They actually have Stanley. <laughs> Not once, but twice. Just so up for it. Um, and if I mean, I don't know if he makes a cameo in any of the other uh, Teen Titans movies. I'm assuming he doesn't. Um. But it just, it's such 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 a fun nod to sort of put aside, um, even with like the Deadpool references to sort of put aside like the Marvel DC thing and just have a Stanley cameo in there as well. Just to just we say we keep saying it, but just another sense of just how fun this movie is, um, and just how not seriously it takes things as well, which is just so so great. Um, Speaking of cameos, they beat up Shia LaBeouf as well. They absolutely <laughs> kick him in. I kick his skull in. Because they, they 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 beat up who they think is Slade. And then Jade runs in and says, no, that's, that's an actor. It's not the real uh, Slade Wilson. Um, and then they find out it's Shia, Shia LaBeouf. And then they start beating him up again. <laughs> <laughs> So, again, uh, just after murdering babies and destroying planets, they beat the shit out of Shia LaBeouf. It, this film has everything. I mean, I I did sort of search on this. I was like, why do they beat him up in the movie? That doesn't. I can't seem to really find a reason why. It's just guys just didn't like Shia. They just wanted to take him out. Um, I, mean, I mean, I know, like, there's, there's numerous things out there about Shia LaBeouf. Like, maybe that's why... Maybe they just wanted to get like their two cents in there as well and uh, give Shia LaBeouf a little kick in. But um, you know, funny, funny all the same that he straight up gets like his leg broken. I think. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> kicking him when he's down. Like they're really, really, really going for it. They wanted to kill that man, um, and it shows. Um, now this is sort of at the same time where they're, they're at the Teen Titans set because Robin's finally getting his own movie um, all the Titans bar Robin poop in the fake toilet um, 
<laughs> they clog it right up. They beat up Shia LaBeouf. Um, and then they're saying, like, okay, absolutely, there must be no shenanigans on the set. So they immediately run around the lot and get up to shenanigans. Uh, they trick Superman into saving Lois Lane from Gene Hackman's real estate scheme. Uh, I think that was a nod yes, to the original yeah. Superman. I think that that's then when Robin says, why did you do that to Superman? He's a national treasure. Yes. Nicholas Cage reference. Finally, we got one. Um, a little national treasure reference in there. Um, uh, this is when they're, they're sort of spotting the doomsday device as well. Um, and they're eating all of the, uh, uh, the snacks from the buffet table. They throw a kryptonite party. By just <laughs> yeah. launching Kryptonite on Superman and absolutely taking him out, um, and then this is when like Robin gets his uh, his own movie, uh, but he's very sad. He's he's very sad that the movie's not with the rest of the Titans. They tried to cheer him up earlier in the film by this sort of like felt puppet movie, but he's like, "You guys are always just making fun of me. You keep saying that I've got baby hands." Um, <laughs> Because that's a that's a line in superhero movie as well, of um, uh, and my adult sized hands. <laughs> in his in his own movie, he will have adult sized hands. Oh, and a CGI cape. <laughs> There'll be explosions, and everything will be CGI. His cape will be CGI. Um, <laughs> and he'll have adult sized hands. Um. Although, like, he gets... Uh, this is when, sort of, Slade later basically reveals the plan that this was a ploy to get into the Titan's Tower, steal the crystal, uh, all the movies that the heroes are going to distract them, and then stealing parts of it, the Doomsday device, so he can add his mind control to the, the films. But the, the baby hands come in handy because he's able to slip out of the uh, the shackles that he's in um, and have his tiny little baby hands slink out as well. Um... Well, like I did like it. There's about like 20 minutes of the movie left at this point, and he calls the Titans. He's like, "Oh, I'm really sorry, and shouldn't have happened." I kind of like, it's no fun if you're not being there as well. And then the Titans are just there again, like, "Yep, yeah, that's cool." Raven's like, "Yep, yeah, we saw the twist coming a mile away." Um, so they just <laughs> they just address it so quickly, like, "Oh yeah, you know," and we we knew this was going to happen. Let's let's get on with the uh, <laughs> the end of the movie. And this is when we get the. I think it's they they go to there's a new Batman premiere which they're kind of skirting around for the whole movie, and then this is when we get the the great Superman line that uh, Robin fought through explosive diarrhea to make it to the premiere. <laughs> such, uh, a, such a great line, and it's um, yeah, uh, and then because they're in the movie, they're not able to stop Slade because. And I quote, the Justice League are considerate moviegoers, so they'll have their phones switched off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it's it's grand. It's it's so good. And then uh, the mind manipulation starts. Mm. All of the heroes are chasing them through the back lot. Um, and then they just can't shake Batman because he keeps having more gadgets to come after them with. It gets from like Batmobile to Batbike to Bat Scooter. To bat roller skates, to piggybacked on Alfred. <laughs> yeah. Every time something explodes, they just can't get rid of him. Um, which I th- I thought was just excellent. Um, 
so good. Um, and then there's the recurring thing of like it's it like at the start, it's like, oh, how are we going to get rid of all these superheroes? How are we going to get into the movie premiere? Or even just like, <laughs> duh, portals. An absolute reliance on portals. Um, oh, and then the, you also then get the uh, the other recurring thing of the film of their intro song. <laughs> so the, the movie starts with um, Balloon Man asking, uh, confusing them with the Justice League. So they then just do this rap explaining who they are. Then at two other points in the film, they start trying to do it when people ask what they're doing. And then they come back in the final fight. And it's like, yep, I like this. I like that this is an hour, 20 minute song. And you've played the same song four times. <laughs> like that's, that I've got, uh, takes a lot of balls. A lot, of, a lot of cojones, and they'll use any excuse they've got just to um, <laughs> play their intro song again. Uh, but the, the song um, does come up trumps when they're taking out the giant robot, because of course there'd be a giant robot in this as well, a giant Slade robot. Um, but they also break Robin out of the trance. It's a sweet moment where they show him the full film from the start of the movie, and how they've always viewed him as a superhero, and how he's brought them together. And I did notice as well that Cyborg uh, Cyborg plugged this into himself and that the tape was had Young Justice scribbled over it. <laughs> um, which is a little nod to the Young Justice TV series, which is actually excellent animated TV series about sort of the younger members of the Justice League. I think there's been more series now. There was like two seasons and then there was a massive hiatus for a few years. And I think they had a third Maybe a fourth follow-up season now, but you know. yeah, I think I think that yeah, I, th- I think it was like uh, it was saved from the scrap heap by fans. I think, but I mean, say what you want about DC, like I, n- I know a lot of their live-action stuff has been crap, but the their animated stuff has always been really, really good because <laughs> um, there's the whole like DC animated universe as well, and all of those films are legitimately quite strong. This is what I was saying earlier. I think it's no secret that live-action DC stuff has always... Well, not always, but more often than not, I think in the wake of the Dark Knight trilogy, has always been quite tonally confused. They haven't been quite certain what direction they want their movies to go in, it's always seemed. Um, now, like, admittedly, I've not seen the Wonder Woman films... I didn't mind Man of Steel. I, th- I think Henry Cavill is obviously barring Nicolas Cage as good as Superman as we'll probably get in this day and age. Um, <laughs> obviously, Batman versus Superman—that was what it was. Shazam, I didn't mind. Um, Shazam was fun. Shazam was, fun. and that's and that's that's fine. Um, yeah, Aquaman think- was fun. I for some reason I really enjoyed Aquaman, and I'm not particularly maybe because there's an octopus playing the drums. I'm a simple man with simple tastes. It's uh... <laughs> I, there's I don't, there's something about Jason Momoa that's quite hard to dislike. I think I think he really sold that film. Um, I maintain, speaking of DC films, that Black Adam is going to be trash. I have a horrible feeling about that. The, the thing is, like. I've sort of said this before on the podcast. One of my... I don't even think this is a hot take. I think it's a lukewarm take. I think... I don't believe The Rock is a good actor. He just... He he makes big blockbuster films because he's such like an A, A, A star celebrity and his name will move tickets. His name will make money. 
And it's not to say that every film he's made have been like bad or anything, but I think he's a he's a he's a brand, not an actor. Yeah, that's that's the fairest um, way. I don't I don't I can't underst- I can't quite put two and two together how you can play an anti-hero while still having like the rock's desire never to lose. <laughs> like his whole like Fast and Furious <laughs> contract shit. Like I don't it's not I I uh, I want it to be good, but I just I don't think it's going to work. I think it's going to be well to to steal what you said. It is going to be another other tonally confused film. And it's a shame. I, I think there's some good... I think The Flash could be quite good. Um, that's shaping up quite nicely. But I just I just don't get what they're going to do with Black Adam. Yeah. I, I think The Flash has got the scope to be quite fun and quite good. Mm. Um, and I'm not the biggest DC fan in the world. I've always been more of a Marvel guy. Um, but... but Black Adam, I think because this film has been... Obviously, the pandemic has delayed things. Mm. But because anytime you get it with films that have just been gestating for so long, and this one has been in the making for years and he's years. Been, he's been attached to it in some way or another, even if it is just him occasionally tweeting that he wants to do it for at least a decade. <laughs> it's just, again, it's just... I don't know if if The Rock is the right or the wrong casting choice for Black Adam. History will be the judge of that, but uh, I do not have high hope. Anytime The Rock makes a movie, as you said, he's he is a brand. He's not a man anymore. Hmm. He's a brand with calloused hands. Um, I just I'm not. Rock castings do not excite me. I think it's it is my it 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 depends entirely on the property for me. So, like, I, I, even on recent episodes of the podcast nobody asked for, I have completely just taken a dump over the Fast and Furious movies. But Hobbs and Shaw is brilliant. <laughs> and, like, you couldn't have it without The Rock because it is, because he was kind of behind it, it highlights everything The Rock is good at. Like, it is just stupid, over the top. At no point does it ever feel like they're going to lose. And it is exactly what it is. But I don't... That that energy isn't going to make a good... Even if Black Adam is a good film, it's not going to be a good Black Adam film, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm with you they'll, on that. They'll have to change so much about it to fit the rocks. Well, I can only be punched seven times kind of mindset that <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a... Yeah... It'll yeah. end up making a fucking billion dollars again. But... Yeah, I think this is going to be one of these, to an extent, separate art from artist things. Like, I don't think he's a terrible human being, not at all. But, and he's, you know, he's it's always blockbusters he's going to do. We're not going to see The Rock in 10 years making his pig. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. No. And, and Tarantino would have finished his films by the time The Rock might be up for uh, doing the old John Travolta and sliding into one of those. But oh, you just wait and watch when The Rock is cast in the Face Off sequel. You just wait and watch. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you, if you if you had to, if you had to recast one of those big three with The Rock, which one do you think you would? Because uh, I could see him doing. Well, ironically, I could see him doing The Rock. Put the rock in the rock and let's just put let, be yeah. done with it. Put the rock in the rock. 
Rock the Rock. <laughs> rock the Rock Spa. Um, and just like just take it for the name brand association so you can so the rock can promote the rock being in the rock. And, and then that's it. The world ends and we start again. <laughs> it was all it was all building up to that. And then we get the great heat death of the universe because The Rock has made another film which he's promoted as the most important film he's ever made. I I could talk about The Rock films for hours. They are so, so bordering on parody at this point. Um, I I, I won't go into it anymore, but Skyscraper. (laughs) There's another podcast idea, and I'm going to pitch the title Rock Solid. Um, Nice. Rock Solid. Rock Solid, the podcast in which we find out if these films make us rock hard or rock soft. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've done it. Oh, I think it has to it has to be rock hard. It has to be called rock hard. <laughs> well, do they? Yeah. Um God, there it there it is. Spin-off coming 2020 never. Um so going back to how did we get onto Black Adam? I have no idea. So they, superhero. Well, it, it's there's been a lot of superhero tangents, which is is, is understandable. Black <laughs> Adam, who's probably in the background of one of these scenes or in the in the cinema at some point, because everybody else is. It's uh, <laughs> more than the, likely. Well, even the challenges of the unknown were like a letter. Then you also had uh, uh, so the challenges of the unknown were from like the 1950s, and then you had the Rainbow Raider. Who was the Flash villain that was like just rides a rainbow? <laughs> he seems uh, perfectly pleasant to me, the Rainbow yeah, Raider. Good times, but uh, uh, I believe I believe I believe before uh, we went off on our our rock monologues, um, I believe we were at Giant Fuck Off Robot. Giant Fuck Off Robot, it was. So there's so as we were saying, they play the Go song again. I think this is credited as Battle Remix. Um. And I use this newfound, I don't even know what it is, newfound confidence, newfound power of music and togetherness to uh, yeah. defeat the giant Slade which robot. Is, which is the ending of, I think, 80% of superhero movies. Find out it's better to work as a team. That, that teamwork Kaboom, makes the done. dream work. Yeah. Um, as they say in uh, the text, the scripture of old. Um, so they break the crystal as well. Everyone snapped out of their trance. Uh, Superman concedes that perhaps they're not such goofsters, goofsters, <laughs> goofy boys. They're not in the goof troop um, at all anymore, and they get a standing ovation for being themselves because, like, we're not heroes; we're ourselves, and that's that's fine. Not just not not just a standing ovation, but a Batman-led slow clap to start it off. <laughs> like the proper cool runnings. <laughs> it's it's beautiful. A beautiful, cool running set slow clap, led by um, led by Batman, and then they just suddenly have to wrap up the film. Robin's trying to deliver a heartfelt message about what the message of the film is, what they've learnt, um, and the crowd is chanting for credits. <laughs> then, then uh, before Robin dives at the screen, demands you ask your parents where kids come from, uh, where babies come from, and then the film ends. It is. It is a strong, a strong closer. It's a very strong closer. Um, trying desperately, <laughs> trying desperately to buy time so we can discuss the message of the movie. Breaks the, the credits, screen. The credits start right, 
and then he keeps talking and they just stop. Yeah. Ah, again, meta. I just love this meta shit. <laughs> Great meta shit. So the film the film wraps up. Um then as we were saying earlier, you get the tease for the um the uh, the sequel Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. Um and I don't there might have been a scene right at the very end as well. It's the challenges of the unknown, still in the still in the void, talking about how they've probably missed the end of the film by now. <laughs> God bless the challenges of the unknown. It's when they get first put in the void, and he's like, "There is nothing in this void except madness." He <laughs> just leaves them, and they're talking like a proper like nineteen fifties adventurer voice as well. It's uh, or just dull. God, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think challenges of the unknown, though they're now very obscure, but were uh, sort of created in 1957 by co-creator of Marvel, Jack Kirkby. So predating lots of heroes like the Fantastic Four. Um, well, I mean, it's it's an open secret that well, even like with Deathstroke and Deadpool, like the majority of superheroes were ripped off from the other one. It's just figuring out who who came first. <laughs> the first heroes, the challengers of the unknown, <laughs> and let let it be said. Um, just trying to look into like other bits of trivia as well. It looks like this was um, uh, the first theatrically released hand drawn animated film since Curious George in two thousand and six <laughs> to not be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. Um, ah. The Curse of George. Uh, remains to this day. Too curious for his own good, that George. That's what ultimately led to his drug-addled downfall. <laughs> That's the R-rated uh, sequel. <laughs> curious, sexually confused George, I think was the uh, the, the R-rated sequel. Um, there was a number of award nominations for it, but I think across the board it lost out to that little-known animated film from 2018, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, I wonder how that one got on. Yeah, Find out in a couple of episodes' time. <laughs> Find out in a, in a few episodes' time when we cover that film that also has Nicolas Cage voicing critical characters. Um, budget was $10 million, box office $52.1 million. Um, oh, wow. S- seemed a little small for the budget, um, for only, only $10 million, but... I, I guess I guess it's, um, again, a lot of people would have been put off by the fact it looks like a kid's film. Uh, which it is, obviously it is a kid's film, but it, it, it seems from a lot of, like, the... From kind of what you were saying earlier, I guess, it looks very young kids film yeah from a lot of like the if you ever saw a poster or anything like that like the tone of it doesn't come across unless you watch it and by that by that time you've watched it so <laughs> it doesn't quite work that might be one of the reasons that sort of put me off because i remember seeing it advertising posters in my local cinema but it just never really appealed to me as one to go out on my way to see um but here, here I am, sort of four years later. What a fool I've been. So take that 26-year-old, 25, 26-year-old Daryl, <laughs> you bloody d- idiot. So Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 91%, so it's up there in the um, the upper echelons of Cage movies that have cracked that 90% uh, wall there. 
uh, was released in July 2018 on the 15th anniversary of the Teen Titans 2003 series. Um, and I sort of alluded to throughout directors uh, Peter Reader Mikhail Mikali. I, I feel that I'm not committed to any of those. Um, Aaron Horvath, um, there were also writers, producers, directors for Teen Titans Go. Another writer, Michael Jelinek, producer, writer from various Cartoon Network cartoons, including a bunch of Batman. Um, it looks like some of them will be working on the upcoming Super Mario movie as well. So maybe there's hope for it yet. Maybe there's hope for it yet. I know we spent a lot of time dumping on The Rock. Chris Pratt has gone from someone who everyone really liked. He's he's on that needle towards cord and precipice. Um, yeah, he, he he was another one who dropped out of uh, public love very very quickly. Yeah, we again. I, I I don't know what the the catalyst was, but we. I've never really had a problem with Chris Pratt. I I get the whole. Um, you can get fatigued by certain actors and like, oh god, why is it, why are they and everything. I know recently people are annoyed by Tom Holland because he was in Spider Man and then Uncharted. People are like, why is Hollywood trying to push him as a leading man? The top, the Tom Holland one is uh, so my my partner summed it up perfectly. Of Tom Holland is basically going to become Mark Wahlberg. It's like he he's going to keep churning out films. They're going to be successful, but none of them are ever going to really strain the imagination. It's like, yep, that sums up that quite well. Everyone, everyone needs, you know, there is there is a place for kind of actors like that. But the Chris Pratt one, I think, was again not to not to go into too many details. It was wasn't as such a problem with Chris Pratt. It was a problem with Chris Pratt's church. So it yeah. was uh, th- that side of things, and then the whole. Uh, I think everyone kind of sided with Anna Faris on their. Uh, pr- very very vocal loud breakup but yeah the 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 tom holland um backlash has been unexpected yeah because obviously he's he's shot to stardom being in spider-man now he's in uncharted i enjoyed uncharted i thought it was fun enough um it's probably not going to be the film that a lot of people wanted to see if you're a massive fan of the games um but he I, i saw one critique that he was like he he's basically playing peter parker but without charisma mm. which is <laughs> which is kind of true i don't think mark Wahlberg was as bad as most people were making him out to be i didn't really have an issue with the casting choice um did you play the games i did i've i've played uh, okay. i've played them a lot a lot a lot of people i've spoken to who yeah, people who didn't play the game seem to enjoy the film a lot more than people who did. Because if you did, generally you're sitting there going, oh, well, he's supposed to have a moustache. Or, you know. Which, to be fair, again, if they if they, if they ever re- like did... Uh, I know there's always talk of like the Bioshock TV series and stuff like that, which is a game I played a lot. So if that <laughs> ever comes out, I know for a fact that I can mock people all I want, but as soon as that happens, my response is going, well, actually, that should have been green. So this is awful <laughs> and horrible, and it never should have been made. Uh, you'd, I, I fear that we're just counting down the days until Elder Scrolls gets a TV series. Yeah. I fear it's not if, it's when. GTA, not if, it's when. Um, Red Dead Redemption could be interesting. Red Dead Redemption could be interesting. Um... But I know there's just that general distrust of video game movie adaptations because not many do them well. 
The the best one I've seen was a film called Werewolves Within, which came out two or maybe even last year, um, and it was brilliant. But I didn't know it was a video game, and that seems to be that seems to generally be, I think, the consensus of good video games are based on video games nobody knew. <laughs> <laughs> so to be successful, you have to. No one can know that you exist. Um, <laughs> he's looking at you, James Corden. If only one of those <laughs> sentiments was true. Um, uh, that'll be the, that'll be the James Corden spin-off, the Corden Corden. <laughs> it's uh, just just an occasional five minute episode of just us reminding people that you need to hate James Corden. It's just it's just a mantra that needs to be repeated. A, a positive morning affirmation in the bathroom mirror. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I suppose on that mantra, the Corden, Corden, and Rock Hard coming soon <laughs> on those bombshells. I think it's uh, time to start a look at wrapping up here on Teen Titans Go. Done it over. Um, we thank Ian Harris for returning to the journey and joining me on this one. And I suppose your final thoughts on TTG exclamation mark TTM. Uh, so my final thoughts on Teen Titans Go to the movies. Um, it is so. It's just fun. It is so much stupid, silly, over the top fun. And again, with no sense of irony, it is one of my favourite superhero movies. And I think people just need to put preconceptions aside that they may have about what it's going to be and watch it. And it's it's the the closest superhero comparison I could think of for it is literally like Deadpool. Like, it, it, it is just great. You should watch it. It's amazing. The songs are great. It's brilliant. I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> it's a lovely summation. Like I said, it's a, it was an unexpected joy for me. It's got fart jokes. It's got Stanley cameos. It's got really fun, catchy musical numbers. I think it slipped under a lot of radars a little bit unfairly, um, but there's just so much to enjoy here. Um, and it's it's only 84 minutes. It's such like a quick jaunt as well. And I think you'll come out a fan of the Teen Titans the other side. And finally, Nicolas Cage played Superman. So this is doing the world a favour, giving the Golden Hog the role he's been after since the 90s. Oh, um, nothing. There's no closure like Golden Hog closure. <laughs> Ain't no party like a hog club party. Um, uh, Because a hog club party don't stop. (laughs) Never (laughs) stop. Um, With that said, uh, where can the listeners uh, find yourself, uh, Mr. Ian Harris, uh, on the socials and that such? Uh, So you can find uh, the podcast Nobody Asked For on Twitter at Nobody Asked For Pod with the number four and on Instagram at the podcast Nobody Asked For. Um, I'm on Twitter under Lord Harry's, which is generally just me getting annoyed at the rugby and tweeting about films. Um, But yeah, come give us a listen, give us a retweet, give us a review, all of that good stuff. Uh, Yeah, that's that's where we are. Don't know where else we are. Just just wander around and see if you can find me. (laughs) A link's in the description below as per. And go and listen to the episode that I guested on where we talked about films oh, that yes. we would put Nicolas Cage into. Uh, wink, wink. B-movie's a good choice. Yeah. Um, I saw you uh, I, I saw you dropped into the Mandy episode as well. As soon as I saw them mention uh, that comedian, it was like, oh yeah, that was... We talked about him. Don't worry about it. 
little subtle plugs here and there. It's what it's what <laughs> it's what we do. It's what we do. Well, you have uh, a, you have a jingle over on ours. You have a joint jingle with uh, Caged In of whenever we mention one of your podcasts, uh, we have a Nicholas Cage jingle, which is just Nicholas Cage <laughs> screaming over uh, <laughs> over music. The podcast multiverse. This is what we're talking about. <laughs> Um, so podcast multiverse and rock solid, rock hard, rock soft. <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> Absurd. The podcast multiverse of madness, it's coming. Uh, but with that said and done, it's time to wrap up here. Uh, thank you again to Ween for joining. It's been an absolute joy and pleasure. And as ever, we will catch you in the next one. But until then, keep on, keep on caging. It's all you have to do. Thank you, take care, and goodbye.